Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Songwriters on Process podcast. My name is Benno Papari, and since 2010, I've run the Songwriters on Process website, where you can find more than 200 conversations with songwriters about the creative process. I'm not here to talk about tour stories, band drama, how a band got its name, or favorite foods. My goal is to treat songwriters as writers, plain and simple. This is an intelligent conversation about the writing process between two writers. And today's interview is with Kevin Morby. Uh, I will apologize in advance for any audio issues on this. I'm doing this from a hotel room in Denver with no external mic, just the mic on my laptop. And there were a couple of drops in our interview, but nothing major. Um, But uh, Morby was doing this from, it looked like the laundry room or some room in the, he was vacationing in the Lake of the Ozarks. And uh, if I have the timing right, it was a couple of days before he threw out the first pitch at the Kansas City Royals baseball game. So maybe he was down there just prepping for it. Um, I've got a great context-free quote from this interview with Morby, and he told me this. I'm a 34-year-old adult man, and I've just started to floss for the first time in my life. Now, what the heck does that have to do with the songwriting process? Well, you got to listen to find out, but he's got a great answer for it. A couple of other things stood out. One is, he said, I'd like a big pen and a yellow notepad because you can be messy. He said, there's no pressure. He does have a fancy pen and a fancy journal, but he finds when he does that, there's a lot of pressure to make things great. But he finds that if he goes low tech, and by low tech, I mean cheap big pen and yellow legal pad, um, it gives him permission to be messy with the process. And I love that about, about that ritual. That's uh, very cool. He also tends to pace a lot when he writes. He said, it's bliss to me. I need a quiet place to pace. And that really um, was interesting to me because about a month ago, I interviewed Aaron Ray, and Aaron Ray collaborates with Morby on his latest album, which is great, by the way. They have a song together. And Aaron Ray told me the same thing, that she likes to pace when she writes. And so Morby likes to, likes to pace on a hardwood floor with his guitar, which is exactly what Aaron Ray told me. And they're big friends and uh, they're good friends. And apparently he didn't know that about her. He's also a big runner and I'm a big proponent of this. If you've ever listened to this podcast at all, you know how much I talk about running as it relates to the creative process. And just like me, he was, this is spot on exactly what I do. He says he likes to use running as a way to work out the kinks and it lets his guard down. Uh, it, and he just kind of lets everything out. It's a great way to work thing at work things out. And I do the same thing when I have a problem. When I'm in a rut, I go run. And he said that um, it's a way just to to get the kinks out. Or if you're struggling with anything, he loves to go for a run. And um, it's also he's also said it's a great way to to kind of find out what's good and what's bad. Uh, when he writes and just to, for not just clarity of thinking for afterwards when he writes, but also during the process as well. So with that, here is my interview with Kevin Morby. Are you an everyday type of writer? You know, I find that some songwriters feel it's important to create in some fashion every day, whether or not they get inspired, others say, no, just wait until the muse strikes. Where do you fall in that continuum? You know, I'm, I'm sort of both, but um, I'd say I'm very much, if I had to lean one, one direction more than the other, it would be an everyday sort of writer. It's sort of like breathing almost at times. Um, 
Yeah, I, I find, you know, I like full disclosure, I have ADD. So <laughs> I think that drives my incessant uh, output and desire to always need to be working on something. Um, but but I also do think that there's something to be said for the person um, who sort of waits for the muse to strike. And there's some of that too. I think that like being someone who writes all the time, I'm very self-aware of the fact that a lot of this stuff, you know, may not end up being anything. Um but it's almost like as if I'm doing it constantly. So when the muse does strike, I'm ready to go. I'm like armed and ready to go. Do you, are, excuse me, would you consider yourself a disciplined writer? Uh, in other words, like, do you think, do you set aside time at some point during the day? I mean, some people say, yes, this is my writing time. Or is it, you know, at the end of the day, if you haven't written, is it like, shit, I should start writing something kind of thing? No, you know, it, I'm the type of person that if you put any sort of rules or guidelines around something, I'll, I won't want to do it. Hmm. Um, so it really needs to just be on a sort of sporadic time clock, you know? Um, but with that said, it does kind of become an everyday or at least like weekly thing where I am setting aside time to, to work on these things. Um, but yeah, it, it's not, I, I can't do a rigorous thing. I've always said that, like, I'm not the type of person who can sort of wake up and sit in a chair and with, you know, a pen and a guitar next to me. It's got to be, it's got to be sort of, there's, there's got to be some sort of romantic um, notion to it of just, oh, I have this thought right now, or I just picked up a guitar and I stumbled into this thing. Yeah. Do you do any type of writing outside of songwriting, journaling, anything like that, or just strictly songwriting? Um, you know, honestly, strictly songwriting i do every once in a while i will take a journal around with me and i will um jot down ideas i i, I really utilize the, the the notes app in my phone you know the phone i think like it, it kind of sucks to talk about um i know like having to talk about an iphone more than like they already you know are in our conversation and take over our lives but with that said as a songwriting tool it's been nothing uh but great for me in terms of just the, the, the voice memos and the, in the notes. Um, because it, it's like in the past I would carry around, I used to have this, uh, task cam DP 008 and it was a battery powered little eight track digital eight track that I, I would carry around in my suitcase and stuff. And I could kind of jot ideas down, but with the phone, you know, it does make it so I could be anywhere and I can just, you know, sing something into my phone and it's like having a little tape recorder. Um, so, you know, I do write down like a lot of ideas. A lot of them end up in my notes app. Um, every once in a while, I will have a sort of journal. For example, this is a photograph. Um, the whole title of the record and, and, and the title of the, the, the title track, the song, this is a photograph, all came from me writing sort of a series of poems that began with, this is a photograph. Yeah. So, and I have to ask you about the notes app because that's pretty common. A lot of songwriters say, you know, they're the notes app. I'm fascinated by the organization behind these notes app, because I mean, some songwriters tell me there's no organization organization whatsoever. And they just literally have to press play on every one to find the one they're looking for. It's so is there, but some of them will do it by emotion or title or topic. Is there any organization? Cause you got to have hundreds of ideas on that phone, right? Hundreds. If I wasn't doing a zoom on my phone, I would, I would pull up the app and tell you how many there were, but I mean, it's just hundreds and hundreds. And, you know, I have old phones that a lot of them are lost in the phones. And it's funny you ask this question now, because I honestly, probably just in the past couple of months 
started to organize them somewhat and still even barely any, but I am putting little titles next to them in abbreviation. So if I'm working on something that's called, you know, the sky is blue today, it'll be T S I B, you know, I, I just, I do that. And then I'll be looking back. I'm like, wait, what was this? You know? And then I'll listen to it. Like, oh yeah. That's where I had this idea. The sky was blue today or whatever it was. Um, so it's a funny thing, but there's usually no organization in those things at all. And you just have to sift through hundreds of them. And I often find that I'll be looking for something. I'll remember I had done something that I liked. And while sifting through them, I'll stumble upon something else. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot that thing. And then I'll start concentrating on that thing. So I I also, this is, this is gross, but I'm a 34-year-old adult man, but I just started to floss really for the first time in my life. And um, I started to uh, also categorize these these notes, so I think I think I'm growing up a little. Wait, bit. Wait, <laughs> so what does the flossing have to do? With, I'm missing something. What does the flossing have to do with the process here? I just think maybe a therapist would look at the fact that I'm like <laughs> starting to organize my voice notes and that I'm starting to floss, and they would say you're gro- you're growing up a little bit. You know? Oh man, there's so, much, there's so much to unpack there. I'm not even sure where to start with that. <laughs> Only because I've never heard anyone say, you know, I'm I'm starting to floss now. That's great. L- listen. Let's be honest. Most people that say that they floss don't floss, right? I it's mean, true. It's yeah, true. I, I, you know. Um, so, do you now when you go through those notes app, that notes app, are you are you saying, oh, like where's that idea? I know it's somewhere. Or are there times when you go, I'm just kind of in a rut. Let me go back and and maybe something there will kind of, uh, you know, get my get me going started on a song. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of both. I find that it, it, a lot of times having access to the, all these ideas that are sort of, you know, captured in this vault on my phone, it's something that I'll visit when I'm on a long flight or if I'm on a long walk or a run and I sort of get burnt out of listening to other things, other people's music or whatever. Um, I'll think, oh, I have all these ideas and and that's what I mean about it as a songwriting tool having only been really good for me is that I, I, I quite literally like will write songs with this, uh, like as a tool. Um, and I've said this a lot, but you know, like my record, Oh my God, I, I literally wrote a lot of that album while on airplanes. I was traveling like crazy at the time I was flying constantly on tour. And I felt that I just sort of be up there in the sky with my, my notes app and my voice, my voice memos. And I would kind of construct the songs and it would get to a point where I'd be listening to a demo that's sort of half finished or half idea, but I could come up with the other ideas of, Oh, I'm going to get rid of that verse. And I'm going to like replace this there. And I'm going to put a bridge in that place. And so by the time the plane would land and I get to a hotel and could take out my guitar, I will have already sort of been working on the song in my head, knowing what I was going to do with it. This actually reminds me of something interesting because I find that as a writer, um, if you were to just say, like, sit here and write for two hours, I'd get nothing done. But if you say to me, okay, we have to leave in two hours. Exactly. exactly. So, so I create false deadlines for myself and a false deadline yeah. is something like, oh, I've got something to do. Um, and you know, if I've got a phone call, if I have to be somewhere with my wife at five, maybe I won't start doing anything until four. Um, totally. I, I know that I have to, and I learned that about myself because we live in DC and I go to New York for work mm-hmm. a lot and I'll take that train and I'll get more work on that three hour train ride than exactly. if I sat here. So it sounds like that works well for you. Those kind of, whether you know it or not, those kind of those, those deadlines, because you probably said to yourself, I got to get this done by the time the plane lands. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not. There's no hard deadline, but it's it's more just. It's almost. Uh, I, I definitely do agree with that. You know, I think if you gave me a thousand hours to do something, I I would get the most done in like the, yeah the last sixty minutes of those thousand hours. But um, I think it's more just there's something about the having the access to it. You know, I was thinking the other day about, you know, it's kind of fascinating that I have all these lyrics. There's so many lyrics and I can just remember them. You know, um, when I go to band rehearsal, I never have to print out lyrics or anything. They're just all kind of there. But I was thinking about the other day because, you know, I've been working on some music recently and I have all these songs and I'm, I'm playing them into my phone and then listening back constantly. And it's, it's a thing where, you know, I get so inundated with the, with the music and with the the words, I listen to them, you know, what probably turns out to be hundreds of not thousands of times over and over while I'm trying to figure the song out. So by the time it's done, I've seen it in so many different form- formations that I, I just know the thing inside and out. Um, but uh, like if I'm working on something, uh, you know, one day and I come up with this melody and I come up with some lyrics and I'm working on it and I work on it all day and I, I, capture you know 60 different like little um snippets of it or whatever and then the next day i wake up and i listen to it a lot of times in a very obvious change will be very clear something that i couldn't see the day before shortly after capturing this idea will start to become clear and so i i find that having access to these and giving them a little bit of space and revisiting them and then like you know listen to a few days in a row and then forgetting about it for a month and then revisiting a month down the road you start to, it starts to just become clear. It starts yeah. to become sort of like this real thing to you. Um, whereas, you know, once it was just this little idea. And so it's something that I've learned. It's been a good part of my writing process is that, you know, songs just sort of take time to expose themselves to the creator of what they ultimately want to be. And you kind of just have to give them time to, to help take shape. And I think sometimes you come up with a song and in its first little iteration, you know, it's got more growing to do. And that's because you've got to go out and collect more to put into it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So do you deliberately use, when I go to revise my writing, distance is an important part. So do you, do you deliberately do that and say, you know, sure. I'm going to set set aside this and come back tomorrow. So it sounds like that's, you make that a deliberate part of your process. For sure. Yeah. Cause I think that there's definitely, you know, you can sort of kill a song by beating over the head too much. And so there always gets to a point where you're like, okay, I got to step back. And, you know, sometimes it's once you start to think it's a sort of bad song um, or, you know, this idea, maybe there's nothing here. I, I thought there was something here an hour ago. That's usually when it's time to step away. And then if you give it some space and revisit it, you know, in a couple hours or a couple of days or even a couple of weeks or months, you could be like, oh, wait, no, that actually feels really good. I could see that being something. And I have songwriters tell me that they've given distance five, 10 years. Do you have songs sure. like that, that you maybe discarded years ago and then somehow they come back to life? All the time, all the time. There's, there's, th- those are all over my records where, you know, they'll be I'm trying to think of a good example, but there's, there's definitely an old idea or an old song that just sort of, you know, rears its head and you thought, oh, I thought this thing was never going to have a, a home, but it actually would make a lot of sense. Um, on this thing, which I really love the idea of that because you can look at it as a coincidence or you can look at it as sort of this cosmic thing um, that, oh, you know, some part of me knew to write this 10 years ago and, you know, it just didn't have a, like a, a shelter, a home until, till, you know, this moment where I'm writing this album and thematically it weirdly fits. And it's almost like 
this brainchild of mine 10 years ago was the first seed to, you know, what became part of this larger thing years down the road. Um, but I really like that. You know, I would always hear stories in the past of, you know, this songwriter, that songwriter, Leonard Cohen, you know, it took him four years to write Hallelujah. And think, how could it take someone four years to write? And, you, you know, you realize someone's not working on a song every single waking moment of every day for four years. It's just, they're, you know, they're just, they're living their life and touching on that song and then letting it sit and then coming back to it for the span of four years. And sometimes that's what it takes, you know, to, 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 to let a song be what it needs to be. You mentioned a pen briefly. Do you ever do any lyric writing with a pen and paper or are you strictly iPhone? Um, no, I definitely do pen and paper. You know, I think that that usually comes a little later in the process. It's 90% of the time when I'm writing songs, I'm, I'm writing the music first and then I'm sort of speaking this weird gibberish on top of it yeah. um, to help form a melody. And then I'll start to put words within that gibberish that are a similar shape. And once I start to sort of craft the groundwork or the good blueprint for what's going to be, you know, what I believe are, are strong enough lyrics to be, to, to create the song. Um, that's usually when I move over to pen and paper, there's something about the sort of like classic act of writing it out and seeing it and having it in front of you. And then it can become a real thing where you're sitting down and you can, as you perform it or as you record it or whatever, you can be looking um, at this physical hard copy of the song and it makes it all the more real. But whereas I think some people probably do that in the beginning, they, they write out lyrics onto a, a sheet of paper. It's usually one of the last steps for me though. You know, I said that's 90% of the time there is this 10% of the time where I'll write out a poem or write some lyrics that I think is cool and then put those to music, intentionally write music around those lyrics. That's way less common for me, but that does happen. A good example of that would be on my last album, um, there's a song called A Coat of Butterflies, which is a song about Jeff Buckley. That's something that I certainly, it was all about the pen and paper and then putting that to music. So wait, did, that, did you know that was going to be a song at first or, did, or was that something that maybe started out as just a poem? It started out basically as just a poem. To be honest with you, it started out as I was doing an interview with a writer named Josh Terry, who worked for Vice Magazine at the time. And they were doing this, um, they were doing this uh, um, series where they would have a songwriter pick out a classic album that they had not heard. And then they would play the, they'd play the record in front of that person and interview them about it in real time. And I chose Jeff Buckley's Grace. And he said this thing to me, you know, he said like, Hey man, have you heard uh, Jeff Buckley or he's, he, there's some phrase that he used or Jeff Buckley died at the foot of Beale street, you know, something that I felt and even just him saying it there, there was some rhythm to it. And I thought like, that's just this conversational thing that this writer has just said to me, but there's something to it that feels like a song is there. Mm -hmm. And I was really taken by the story and I was taken by his album. So I was inspired on all these different levels, but whatever he ended up saying, um, it, it didn't end up in the song, but it, it was sort of the seed of that song. I think what he said was, Hey man, have you heard Jeff Buckley died in Memphis, Tennessee, when they found his body was floating in the water at the foot of Beale street. And it was something, something like that. And I kind of, you know, I, that just had this nice rhythm sort of musical quality to it. Yeah. And so I ended up writing this longer poem and then putting music to the longer poem. Yeah. I want to get back to the pen question only because I could do an entire website dedicated to 
the importance of the type of color of ink and the type of pen and even paper songwriters use. Like they're very loyal to certain, it'd only be a certain type of brand or a certain color of ink. Sure. Does that matter to you at all? You know, I, I think when it comes like my preferred, I, I, I'm of two brains of this. Uh, there is, I do have like a nice super like sort of, um, you know, Japanese um, large sort of sketchbook that with like nice heavy weighted white paper um, and using like a nice pen on that. That's black ink feels really good. But I think actually sort of my preferred way of writing is having just a classic big pen, black big pen with a, uh, just, you know, um, the, the yellow notepads, um, just the big yellow notepads. And I think why I like that is because there's low pressure there to be messy there's something with the the large sort of expensive Japanese um, sort of very fashionable notebook where you feel like you only want to put in final drafts to it, you mm. know, and like it's it's just like the paper and the design and the layout feel like, oh, this is only for something really good or something that feels really complete or finished. Whereas with the, you know, two dollar CVS notepad and the the pack of big pins, it feels like a free for all and you can be as messy as you want. Um, so those are kind of my preferred when I'm going that route. I, I really enjoy them. Yeah, it's fascinating. The answers to that. It's fascinating. The the type of pens. But so to me, that's part like that's part of a ritual. So I know you said you're you're not a rules type of guy, but I guess is there like for me. OK, so, for example, like I never write and revise in the same room. I mean, sorry, sure. I never write and revise in the same chair. Um, it okay. could be two chairs in the same room, but for me, I need to get far away from my writing process when I revise. So I try to get as far away from that as I can. Um, so is there, that's part of my ritual. I know it works mm-hmm. for me. So is there like a time of day or a place where you think, oh, you know, I'm more successful than other places, or does that not matter to you at all? It does, you know, it could, the, the place could really be anywhere, but I think the big thing for me is, is being alone. You know, I think having could just carving out some sort of space. I'm lucky right now where um, I have a house that is sort of a dedicated studio. I have two homes in Kansas city and one of them is just like a a music house. And I really, I, I tend to pace a lot when I'm writing, especially if I'm playing guitar at the same time. So I really pacing back and forth across the living room is the sort of heaven to me. It's that's bliss to me. Um, but, you know, that's been pacing back and forth in a hotel room or a green room or, you know, in a friend's guest room or it could be so many different places. But I think just carving out a little um, quiet place for myself and there can even be something going on in the other room. But just having my own, you know, four walls where I feel like I'm kind of in the safety to explore this thing. Um, with that said, a lot of times if I get an initial idea in one place, kind of like what you're saying. I do like to sort of go explore that idea elsewhere, usually in transit, you know, whether, like I said, being on an airplane or being on some sort of road trip or even just taking it to another city with the, uh, with the goal or in in the, I'm losing the word here, but with the intention of writing, taking some sort of writing trip, I'm going, okay, I've written this song in Kansas. Now I'm going to take it to New York and see how it feels in New York. Hmm. And, um, you know, yeah. Does that make sense? It does. But what, but what does that, I guess that I've never heard that before. So what, what, ha, what, what changes in that song when you go to the other city? I, that's interesting. I think it's just, um, 
maybe some some other perspective, some different angle. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to even be of the about the song subject matter or anything. It can just be, I don't know. It, it, I would say actually, it's this. It's less about the city, and you know, I feel like I'm kind of working this out in real time on this. But I, I honestly feel like it's just about getting into a, another room, you know. And so it's not about like this sounded like this in Kansas. How does this sound in New York? It's more about like this sounded like this in my living room in Kansas. Now I'm in a hotel room far away from home, and I'm in my uh, in another form of sort of seclusion. How does it feel here? Uh, does time of day matter? Can you you know can you prefer late night, early morning, or does that not matter at all? Well, it's funny you bring up both of those because I I I've often cited both of those as the best sort of times when you're sort of half awake, half asleep in the early morning or late at night before going to sleep. Having a guitar next to the bed in both of those situations, I have one just hanging off my wall to kind of take down because. I feel like in the light of day, which I've certainly gotten a lot of good work done in the light of day, but in those sort of moments, those twilight moments on either side of the day, I find that your guard is sort of down. If you come up with a silly idea or a stupid idea, you're not really judging yourself where, you know, if it's 3 p.m. and you're, you're quote unquote working on writing a song and you come up with a stupid idea, you might dismiss it. But in those hours, you kind of might see something up. Uh, some something cool about the 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 silly idea or just see it from the perspective of yeah i don't know just your creative doors are open a little bit more at that hour and your your sort of your critique your your critic walls are down a little bit and so i really like those times of the day and but with that said i do you know any hour of the day really can 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 work so i bring this up a lot because and you mentioned this um with the, the period before sleep. So I, I've been mix, mentioning this uh, a lot to songwriters. So there was a study I read about a year ago in, um, it was in Smithsonian Magazine, but it was a study they cited about that period right before you fall asleep. And it's not, um, it's, sure. it's, it's, not uh, it's not when you're asleep, it's that hazy moment when you're not awake, you're not asleep. There's a name for it. I always forget what it is, but there's a name. Anyway, in the study, they cite the story about Salvador Dali, and this is what he would do. He would sit, and there's a picture of him in the magazine, and he's sitting in this horribly uncomfortable, like, wicker chair, and he's got a skeleton key in his hand, and he's sitting in the chair, and he's got his arm extended, and and he's got, a, at the on the floor, underneath the key, he's got a saucer. And so, right when he falls asleep, Obviously, he lets go of the key. It mm-hmm. falls on the saucer. It wakes him up. He starts to paint. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And so apparently, and they, they actually replicated this somehow with people and found that that's a fruitful time. Um, so is that what you're talking about? Kind of that hazy? I, I'm curious if that's ever happened to you, I guess, in that period. Not, not in the middle of the night, but when you're just kind of drifting and all of a sudden, you know, words or ideas come to you. Absolutely. You know, it's funny you ask that question now because only a few days ago, um, something sort of came to me. And what I'm describing is a little bit more lucid than that. You're a little bit more, it's like you're getting ready to go to sleep or you're getting ready to get up. And it's kind of just using those those sort of quiet moments to write. Um, you're you're a little out of it, but you're not, you know, it's it, you're not fully to subconscious yet. And with that said, there have been so many moments in my life where I'm getting ready to fall asleep and you're 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 basically in a dream state and I like to 
almost describe it as like words come to you. It, it feels like they're on some sort of like river, you know, like, like a phrase will make itself your way and you find it. And there are times where I'm, I'm strong enough to, to get myself out of bed and write that down or document it in some way. There's a lot of times where I'm, I think, oh, that's so good. I'll just, ha- I'll just remember that. And then of course it's gone by the morning that happened to me a few days ago and I'm still kicking myself. And the funny thing with those moments is you really don't know. I've had so many of those moments where I wake up the next day and I've jotted this thing down or, or saying this thing, this melody into my phone. And I am like, Oh wow. I'm so glad I captured that. That's really something. And there's a ton of times where I'm like, Oh my God, like, what was I thinking? Like, this is not cool at all. But just in that, in that like half asleep dream world, it just seems profound for whatever reason that's unexplainable now. Um, yeah. In, in the light of day. But um, I do think that there's, there's something to that. I think that songwriting you know, so much of it is about sort of letting the creative spirit know, like I'm here and I'm, I'm ready to do it whenever you are find me whenever you want to. And I think sometimes that the creative spirit can be like a little, can be a little mischievous and find you at a time where, you know, maybe you're a little off guard to see how serious you really, you really are about it. Um, so I think whenever it does come, you know, like Dolly, um, is, uh, portraying in this 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 act of whatever setting up his own little alarm system to paint i think um you know it's it's good to follow that even if sometimes it it seems a little silly the next day because it can really lead to something amazing all right so you mentioned pacing and i was going to ask this question anyway but i'm a big aaron ray fan i interviewed her about about a month yeah i interviewed her she's on the podcast about a month ago she said the exact same thing that she will she paces and there's certain type of floors. I think she said a hardwood floor. I can't remember what she said, but she uses pacing. And so it's funny that you guys, you have a song on the album with her, but That's funny. you're the only two people that have ever said that. Um, That's funny. It's, yeah, I like that. I, yeah. I mean, she said specifically that she has to pace and she paces around and she says it's sometimes difficult because she's with her guitar and she's got to hold a pen and then yeah, the ideas yeah. come to her and then she stops. So I'm just curious as to, I love that song and the album with her. Um, Thank you. And I'm sorry if you've mentioned this before, but what was the, I'm curious about how that, how you two, uh, how, the specific uh, process with that song. Um, well, number one, I love that she said that. That's, that's amazing. Um, because pacing in a, on a hardwood floor specifically is, is the best. There's something to it. It's, I don't know. It's almost just this nervous energy of, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, if your crush called you or something and you, you're like pacing back and forth, like the phone's going to ring. That's kind of how it feels. when you start to write a song sometimes like, Oh my God, it's here. Like, I can't lose this thing. Like I got to be alert. I got to be on my toes. Um, but, uh, for Aaron in, in terms of bittersweet Tennessee, our song together on my record, um, I've written that song. It's obviously about Tennessee and, Tennessee is sort of a metaphor within the song, but obviously, you know, I'm singing the name of a state and I wanted someone who was native to that state to sing on it. And um, so I was thinking of who that could be. And Aaron was the first person to come to mind. And, you know, had she not even been from Tennessee, I think it's very likely would have done the collaboration. Anyways, she's just one of my favorite songwriters and just an incredible singer. And just beyond all that, one of my favorite people just to, to be around, she's amazing hang. And, um, so I'm really, really proud and happy about how that song turned out. And um, yeah, you know, when I've done duets before, I've done a lot of duets with my girlfriend who plays under the moniker Waxahachie. Right. Um, you know, I've sang with Kate LeBond. I feel like it's always this, it's like half, I just want to hang out with the person because they're so awesome. And then half, uh, 
it, it just really makes sense for the song. All right. Couple more questions. One, I think you mentioned running and I'm a big runner and I've written mm-hmm. about this in the Washington post. Mm-hmm. Actually, there, there's a very clear link between aerobic activity and higher order thinking creativity as well. Mm-hmm. And um, what, what, and this has been replicated in many studies, but what they've done is put people on a treadmill for 20 minutes. Uh, 30 is ideal at 60% max heart rate, which is like okay. no more than like a moderate walk. So it's not that much. And then after the treadmill, um, giving them a battery of tests. And those people always score higher than people that didn't exercise. So there's a chemical called brain-derived neurotrophic factor um, that's secreted in the brain, in the brain with blood flow, uh, with increased blood flow, which is exercise. So about 90 minutes post-exercise, you're at your sweet spot. So I use running absolutely yeah. as a part of my process. So I'd love to talk about that, how much of a part of that is, because this has been, you know, and a lot of songwriters, again, use exercise. Since you mentioned, I'm curious as to how much of that, how often you get ideas and what is that? How is that a part of your process? Sure. Yeah. That's amazing that, um, that you wrote that and that you, 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 you run and, and you find creativity in that. I, I think it's so amazing. I read, uh, uh, Murakami's book. Um, this is what we talk about when we talk about running and his whole process on writing and running. And I think he explains it, um, so well, and to sort of, you know, paraphrase what he explains in that book, just it's, it's, it's very much a yin yang, you know, you have one, he, he basically just talks about how, you know, I was a writer and suddenly my life became about sitting still and being inside. So I did this other thing to counter it. And what he found in doing that is that both complemented one another. And that's certainly, you know, reading that book, it was just felt like he was putting all my thoughts um, down on paper. Cause that's exactly how I feel in doing something that's sort of stagnant, you know, writing is you're alone in this room. There's something for me in taking these ideas that I, I create in, in a room with a closed door out into the world and I can listen to the demos while I run. I can, I can mull over the lyrics in my mind. That's something that I've done a lot where it's just, I'll have this phrase and I'm just repeating it to myself. You know, I won't even run with headphones and I'll just be repeating this phrase to myself, trying to work out a kink within the lyrics. Um, and kind of what I, I, I mentioned about the, the flight earlier and listening to stuff on the flight, it's, it's similar, but a more profound version of that where I, I, there's, there's like this no bullshit factor that happens when I'm running and I don't know what it is or how it does it, but I'm suddenly able to so clearly see what's good and what's bad. This also works for other decisions in my life that are beyond creative decisions. You know, if I'm in a fight with a friend or if I'm, I am having trouble with something, you know, pertaining to my work or whatever, and I don't know the answer for it. Usually a run kind of provides the clear, like, well, all you need to do is this. It's, it's really easy. Just do this. And so I found myself in my life, if I ever have a big decision or a big conversation I want to have with someone or whatever, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go on a run before I do this. And it always, every single time, it clears out the fog and it shows me sort of like the correct way to go about it. And this really works for creativity. Sometimes I've described to people, sometimes running for me is like, it's almost like getting drunk. Like there's moments where I'm like, I'm so euphoric within a run where I'm like, I'm going to call up this old friend and tell him I love him, you know? And then after the run, I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, I'm not going to, that's okay. I'll just, you know, if I bump into them, I'll just tell them I miss them or something. But, um, but with writing, it's, it's, it's really an amazing tool. And I think if nothing else, even if you're not having some profound moment on the run or it's making you see something clear, nothing else, it's getting you away 
um, from your writing so you can go back to your writing, if that makes sense. And I think as a songwriter, um, especially someone who tours and then gets off the road and has nothing to do, seemingly having this sort of structure of like, I'm going to run, it is so beneficial, not only to all of my life, but especially to songwriting. I use it. I mean, I was nodding my head vigorously when you said that, because I mean, I'm the exact same way when I get in a rut as a writer. Yeah, I that's when I go for a run because I have this confidence it's going to shake itself out on the run. So have you ever gotten um, song ideas? Because some songwriters tell me the cadence uh, of the run. Sure. Um, I've heard things like walking, hiking. Um, Has that ever happened to you where the cadence of a run actually gets you in the groove of something. Absolutely. Yeah. And sort of the rhythm and just like the way, you know, the ground feels beneath your feet. Absolutely. And I really, I mean, it, it sounds so silly, but it's, it's even there's, there's moments where I've been struggling with a song or whatever. And then you think, well, I'm going to push through this run just as I'm going to push through this song. And I think that the sort of most hard copy example I have of this is while I was writing, this is a photograph there was a period where I was living out of the Peabody hotel in downtown Memphis. And it was during 2020, it was COVID and um, I was alone, but I was running every other day. So every other day I would go run along the Mississippi river and just that sort of act of, of, you know, that river is so influential to the record and to that city and to so many um, people who came before me and their lives surrounding music um, in that city, you know, um, and sort of just being out in the elements of that, that this is a unique example in that it wasn't about shaking something out or it wasn't about something becoming clear, but just sort of existing, like having an excuse or a way to sort of um, connect with this body of water and connect with the city in that, in that certain way. You know, I think what I like about running is it sort of gives you the keys to the universe and suddenly, you know, if I was just walking along a river early in the morning, that might kind of seem a little strange or it's probably just something I wouldn't do or get much out of. But if I'm running, suddenly it's it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so it's almost like I was doing research on my songs and running was the vehicle and how I was able to sort of be out in the elements amongst these things, if, this, if that makes sense. It does. And I was going to say also that when they've, when they've done this with people outside, they found that urban environments completely negate the effect, because if you're running in a city, your brain has to focus on not being run over by cars. Survival, sure. Yeah, so the most effective place is the nature, um, is probably a river or the woods or something. And that's, so there's so many factors. It's fascinating stuff. Um, It's really amazing. I was running a lot while recording as well in upstate New York. I was finding different paths. And again, with recording, the songs have already been written at that point, but you get stuck on one thing or you're trying to write a, a part on top of the song or whatever it is. And just that run always shakes, shakes it out. And if nothing else, it, you can just come back to it clear and not frustrated. And it's, it's, I mean, running is just saved, saved my life really. Yeah. And you're in better shape. Okay. So quick follow-up to that. Uh, what about, cause I see the, the laundry machine, the, uh, the washing yeah. drive behind you. So I found a lot. I mentioned that because a lot of songwriters tell me they get song ideas doing mundane activities in the house, yeah, like vacuuming. Uh, one of them told me, Keb Mo told me folding clothes. He loves to fold clothes and write and, and song ideas come to him. So cooking, ironing, cleaning, yeah. those mundane activities. Um, so does that is does that happen to you when you're doing those mundane activities in the house when you get those song ideas? 
Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think it's all these are just different versions of singing in the shower of, yeah. you know, just how, especially again, I think as someone that's cool that Kebmo said that who, by the way, I feel this sort of, um, sp- I, I feel this connection to him because often on people's cars, it mistakes him for me. We obviously not, look nothing alike, but because he's Kebmo <laughs> and I'm Kevin Morby people. So I really want to meet Kebmo someday so we can have this. Uh, people are very confused. Why, why is everyone else in your photo? <laughs> stuff? Um, I, believe I just made that connection. <laughs> yeah. It was just really funny, but, um, but, but I totally agree with what he's saying. I think, you know, the, the, especially for touring musicians, I think we all can really agree, especially when you come home from something and you have no routine, having little things to do is kind of when the, the wheels will start turning. You know, it's funny because I've been making my living off of music now for over 10 years, but beforehand I used to deliver food for a living and I worked uh, at a cafe and doing those things and sort of doing the monotonous, um, busy work was always when I would be writing songs. Again, that was kind of my life's at that moment's version of sitting on an airplane or going on a run maybe. Um, but it was, yeah, rolling silverware for the next day um, for the diner or, you know, um, just uh, loading up the the coffee machines for the next day, mopping the floor. It's always the, those moments when the ideas can come to you where you're doing something, but the thing that you're doing is sort of um, autopilot and your brain can kind of be working in a whole other realm. How much reading do you get to do? Uh, and who do you like to read? Favorite authors, things like that. Um, I, I, my goal every year is to read 12 books a year, which is a book a month. Um, I usually do a pretty good job. You know, I, I'll let it overflow too. If I read a lot one year, I'll say, Oh, I need to read eight books next year or whatever. Um, but I try to read as much as possible. I read a lot on the road. I can really read well on the road. Whereas when I'm back and I'm not in transit, it's a little more difficult. I'm probably just more distracted by things happening at home. Um, whereas with all the downtime on the road, I get a lot of reading done. But I um, I love reading. And I, I find, you know, it's, it's the same sort of animal as songwriting, um, but also very different. You know, it's, it's, it's two sides of the same coin, I, I suppose. But I really admire and envy um, a, a lo- authors and what they're able to do. It's such an amazing skill. And, um, you know, reading is, is endlessly inspiring to me. And I, it, it's made its way into so many of my songs. I, I feel like a lot of my stuff is very, there's a lot of literary references. Um, someone I was reading a lot at the time of making as a photograph is maybe my most favorite contemporary author, Rachel Kushner. Yeah. If you ever heard of her, she's amazing. Um, I'm reading a Jennifer Egan book right now. Um, that's really Which good. one? The new, the new one, the new one, Candy House. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't read that. Um, I've read the goon, the, what is it? Visit from the goon squad. Is that what it from was From the called? goon squad. And this yeah. is like 10 years later, sort of picking yeah. up on the same characters, yeah. which is good. So you did read it? I read goon is squad. It? Yeah. Love no, it. You, the Jennifer Egan, the new one. Have you read the new one? I'm like halfway through Candy House. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm reading that. Yeah, it's great. And I just read a book earlier this year that I really loved. And I actually forget the author's name, but it's called Widow Basquiat. And it's a memoir um, of by, it's a memoir um, from the voice of Basquiat's longtime girlfriend, but written by another woman. And it's a really amazing book. I really recommend it. So um, yeah, I'm always trying to read new stuff. I love, you know, the classics and I love the classic authors. I love Flannery O'Connor, James Baldwin, or Larry McMurtry. Um, you know, the, the, the list goes on. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm always trying to have a book in my hand. 
so how do you pick who to read? Are you, do you have a kiss for me? I'll tell you what I do. I, I just go to book review websites and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, um, bestseller lists are iffy, but book review websites, it's like, Oh, is this a plot I'd like to read? So do you get recommendations from friends or how do you pick what to read? I feel that's a great question. I feel like it's, it's the same way that I consume really any other type of art or movies or, or bands, because I feel like there's a lot of times where if I seek stuff out, it doesn't, you know, sometimes it'll jump out to me and I'll really love it, but I find when it naturally finds me, whether a friend is like, Oh, you just, you have to read this. Um, or if I end up, you know, like the Rachel Kushner, I got into her because, you know, I, I read an article that she had done in the New Yorker and, or they published one of her essays and I love the essay so much. And then I went on to read three or four of her books and, um, you know, so it's always kind of something hits me at the right time, the right circumstance, or a friend makes the right recommendation. Um, I do look at book lists for sure, you know, and I'll see, see what people are saying on, on Goodreads and, and whatever. And it's also like with directors, if I find a book that I like or something comes my way and then I'll try to read, you know, numerous books by that author and I'll just kind of exist in their little world for a while. And that's it for the latest episode of Songwriters on Process. Don't forget, you can find all of my interviews with over 200 songwriters on my Songwriters on Process website at songwritersonprocess.com, going all the way back to 2010. You can read them, watch them, or listen to them. So until next time, thanks for listening.